Hello, and welcome to the Half-Blind Hecklers, episode 53. Today we have an interesting show with a lot of complicated stuff and a lot of really big news. So, uh, just a brief rundown of what we're going to go over. We're going to go over how tensions in the United States are almost higher than they've been since the start of 2020 with a various group of stories. Then we're going to have a story about how Trump has tweeted a video of a Chinese professor claiming that Beijing can swing U.S. policy. Then a trio of election news that are crazy and change how the entire dynamic of the election is going to proceed. And then a bevy of Canada news stories. And then finally, we're going to go over and we're going to have the winner of the Caption This contest, and I'm going to highlight them on the channel. So, without further ado, let's jump right in. So, home of Trump supporter firebombed in Michigan, reports say. A Trump supporter's home was firebombed on Saturday night and nearly caught fire while the owner and his girlfriend were still inside. The owner, who spoke anonymously, said the incident occurred shortly after midnight on Saturday when he and his government girlfriend heard consecutive blasts coming from outside. The man said he told his girlfriend to immediately get up, get out of the house after some of the mortar-like explosives penetrated his windows and exploded inside his home, leaving a hole in the, win in the living room. Uh, an explosion went off. It kind of sounded like a transformer, I guess, from a power line, and then an accelerator explosion went off and it shook the house. A neighbor's surveillance camera appeared to show an unidentified man on the front lawn. The owner believes that the man fired the explosives return before returning to his pickup truck and driving off. When we came outside, we noticed the whole window. It was completely blown out. The homeowner described himself as an avid Trump supporter and admitted to having placed pro-Trump signs and signs attacking Democrat Governor Wetchin Gritmer on his lawn. He believes that... His political views were the reason he was targeted and offered a $10,000 reward for information. <clears throat> so, that's pretty dang despicable. So, I'm going to go into the next story and then I'll kind of give a rundown. So, the next story is the Michigan Secretary of State, so this is also in Michigan, says armed protesters gathered outside her home claiming voter fraud. This is, of course, from CNN, so take it with a grain of salt. Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson said dozens of armed protesters gathered outside her Detroit home, chanting and shouting obscenities about overturning the results of the 2020 election. Benson said her four-year-old son was about to start watching How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I'm surprised they even watch, Chris watch any Christmas movies. They're Democrats. On a Saturday night when a group of protesters began chanting into bullhorns in front of her house. They made, quote, Unambiguous, loud, and threatening demands to overturn the election results, which the state certified. Benson, whose office oversees the elections in the state, called the latest protests an extension of the noise and clouded efforts to spread false information about the security and accuracy of our elections. Well, that's questionable to begin with, but anyways. They gathered outside my home, targeted me as Michigan's chief election officer, but their threats were actually aimed at the 5.5 Mich million Michigan citizens who voted in the fall's election. Seeking to overturn their will, they will not succeed in doing so. Of course, this claim is inherently false. There has been, quote, no evidence of fraud, but they just didn't believe it. It's a fraud. So, like, both of these stories, like, one is, of course, significantly worse than the other. Being firebombed is a lot worse than having protesters outside of your house. But both denote a rising escalation of tensions in the United States. And it has a lot to do with, on the right, there's a lot of tension because, rightly, they see the election as being stolen from them. And there's a lot of reasons why they would believe that. And there's a lot of sense for why they're making these claims. And if you have, of course, an election that you think was stolen from you, then, as I said in previous weeks, the only way that you can really see that would make a difference is through rising up, first through protest, and then eventually through other means. 
because if elections don't change anything and are meaningless, then the entire system is kind of broken. Now, like, I'm totally in fine. I'm totally fine with protests, even, of course, if the participants are armed. Uh, my issue is that they gather outside of our house. Uh, if you're going to protest regulations, individuals, guidelines, do it at <clears throat> the place of business. Do it at the government offices. Don't do it at people's houses. It's not a wise idea to do it at someone's house. And it only kind of inflames the populace against those protesting because it sees you as the intruder, even though, of course, what you're doing is legal, unless you're doing it late at night and you're violating noise protocols. But if you are protesting at someone's house, it ultimately sends a much more threatening message. Whereas if you're protesting at their place of business, then it's has a lot more of an air of legitimacy to it. And we want that air of legitimacy. We want to be taken seriously. We want to say, yep, we're standing for our rights. We're doing it in the right way, the right place. We're not going to be silenced. We're not going to be told to shut up and go home and say nothing. We're going to protest. We're going to do it right, the right way. But don't do it at people's houses. It... It's not a good look for anybody. Because then, if somebody comes up to my house at 10 o'clock, and while, of course, they have the right to protest, like, any parent is going to feel a little bit scared for their kids. I would feel kind of scared for my kids. If there was a bunch of protesters outside at night. Even if they were conservative. If they were conservatives, I would, of course, feel less scared than if they were Democrats or Antifa. Antifa would likely do the former, we're throwing firebombs. But I would still be afraid for my kids. If I was, of course, in a position of power and they came to my place of business, then that would be a lot more rational. And I would try and have a conversation with them. <clears throat> try and discuss it with them, like rational people. Encourage free speech. Encourage freedom to protest, freedom to voice your own opinions, but keep people's families out of it. They're not involved. They're not the ones making the decisions. There are select individuals which should be protested, which should be talked to, which should be called out. But their families, their kids are innocent. So let them be and let them do their thing. So. Next story. It's kind of a big one. It's kind of really interesting. So this is kind of like the bombshell. One of the bombshell news. There's lots of bombshell news this week. But Trump tweets video of a Chinese professor claiming that Beijing sorry, can swing U.S. policy because it has, quote, people at the top of America's inner core Circle of Power, in clip that has been deleted from social media in China. So, Di Dongsheng, not very good at Chinese pronunciation, I'm hoping that's correct, professor at Renmin University in Beijing, appeared on a Chinese television show about Wall Street and international trade last month. It was deleted from Chinese social media after being uploaded, but copies were made which since have been circulating, including YouTube. He stated how China has people at the top of America's core inner circle of power and influence for years. He said the relationship was true for decades until Trump. He notes how the Obama admin was easy to manipulate. He believes that old ties between China and the U.S. will be restored once President Biden is in the White House. Of course, that's... <clears throat> if he does win. Excerpts of the video were tweeted by Trump after Tucker Carlson shared the clip. So, the video, which had initially been posted on Weibo, which I'm assuming is Chinese social media. Oh yeah, it is. It was since removed from that China social media account, according to Fox, depicts Di Dongsheng, a professor and associate dean of the School of International Studies at Renminst University in Beijing. In the video, he suggests that China has managed to influence American policies for decades through a special undercover network of, quote, old friends 
who were at the highest levels of the U.S. government and financial institutions. Dean notes that everything changed the moment the Trump administration came to power. Of course, these are links to where you can find the video, including this. Although Dee said he was unable to give specific details without compromising the identities, he revealed how Trump's trade war with China caused huge upset over ties that have been nurtured for decades between Washington and Beijing. Trump tr waged a trade war with us. Why couldn't we handle him? Why is it that between 1992 and 2016 we always resolved issues with the U.S.? Did you guys know? Dee asked the Chinese audience in his 18-minute long presentation. Now I'm going to drop a bomb, quote. Because we had people up there inside America's core circle of power, we had our old friends, said Dee, noting that he needed to speak carefully so not to reveal the identities of those involved. In plain and simple language, during the last three or four decades, we used the core circle inside America's real power, Dee said. Wall Street had a very profound influence over America's domestic and foreign affairs since the 1970s. We used to rely heavily on them. But the professor claims that Trump, after Trump was elected in 2016, Wall Street couldn't control Trump because, awkwardly, there was a soft breach of contract between them, which made them hostile to each other. During the U.S.-China trade war, they tried to help, Mr. D said. My friends in the U.S. told me they tried to help, but they could not. However, D noticed that, noted that things are about to change once again, thanks to the incoming Biden administration, of course, if he does claim the White House. Once Biden is in the White House, Dee believes that China will once again be able to renew its long-held connections. Now, with Biden, Biden winning the election, the traditional elites, political elites, the establishment, they have a very close relationship with the Wall Street, he said. You all heard that Trump said Biden's son had security companies all over the world, but who helped Biden's son build his global companies? Professor Dee asked. There are indeed buy and sell transactions involved here, so I think that this particular time, with Biden winning the election, is it of... Is it of it is of strategic and tactical value for us to show goodwill to him. So. <clears throat> that's crazy. Like, we knew, we knew for a long time that China's had... ...ties with the Democrats. We knew that China wanted the Democrats to win. We knew that they were involved with Biden and Biden's son in terms of getting him trade deals and organizing shifts of political power and getting him good business deals and handing him bags of cash and yada yada yada. And we knew that, we also know that Biden said that a, a growing or a developing or an improving China is good for the world. Which is really questionable considering all the atrocities that China has committed. Like if we look in the past few years alone, we see the Uyghur concentration camps in which they've enslaved and imprisoned millions of Uyghur Muslims and other racial and cultural and religious groups. We've seen the one child or the two child policy where they force abortion on their own people as well as ethnic and religious minorities. And then, of course, just in the past five or six months, we've seen how China has taken over Hong Kong and essentially adopted Hong Kong citizens into its communist dictatorship and has removed all rights and freedoms from the citizens of Hong Kong. All of these are deplorable acts. All of these are truly abominable. And the UN, or the global network of Western and, like, first world nations, should be rising up and say, Hey, China, you can't do this crap. You're basically acting like <clears throat> Nazi Germany with the lack of invading the rest of the world. China is that level of evil. And this, to the, have this guy come out and say, yeah, we've had people in positions of power that have been connected with us and that are essentially working for the Chinese government in positions of, what was it, top power? Core inner circle of power and influence. The fact that China has 
like this guy has claimed that China has people at the top. And with all these other coincidences that are kind of piling up, it's like, hmm, what did China get Obama to do? What did China get these other administrations to do for them? Like, China, as we all know, is exceptionally scary. And for them to have this level of power in the United States is horrifying. And then it's even more horrifying that he's like, oh yeah, like I'm really happy that Biden is projected to win. Because then the old ties will be restored and then China will once again have easy relationships and they can kind of assert their dominance and control of the United States. Like, it makes me like, ah! Even more that Trump is not, like, right now in a position where he looks like he's going to win. Now that China is out and admitting this. Seems like Trump was the last bastion of defense between China and the last, like, free beacon of the world. So, what happens? What will China do if Biden's in power? I don't know. He'll probably legitimize Hong Kong, remove the tariffs that Trump has put in place, make it easier to trade and to deal with China. Make it so that China has more control over global organizations like the UN and the WHO. All of this is kind of scary stuff. China is, aside from the US, they are the most powerful nation on Earth. And now it seems like they are the most powerful because they control the US. Or at least they control the positions of power. And some of the bigger positions of power. But I don't know what to do. I know that our leader up in Canada, Justin Trudeau, is already pretty much a puppet of the Chinese government. That was made exceptionally clear during the first few months of coronavirus. When they basically said, give us PPE. And he sent over like several sea cans worth of PPE. And then he asked, he's like, hey, can we have like some back? And they sent him empty sea cans. Be like, oh yeah, like we didn't have any left. Like, but we paid for them. Why can't you give them to us? So. Don't let China get away with anything. If I had my way, they would be sanctioned. And basically told like, buck up or shut up. And if you start quacking, then they're going to face some serious penalties. And you can't beat all of us in a war. So. But things are getting scary. Anyways. Moving on to kind of an election news update. <clears throat> so Arizona Supreme Court rejects GOP bid to undo Biden victory. So the Arizona Supreme Court has rejected Republican bid to undo Democrat president-elect. Not that the president-elect, he's not yet. Joe Biden's victory, potential, apparent victory, over Donald Trump in the state, saying no evidence of misconduct or illegal votes was presented in a lawsuit that challenged certain ballots in Metro Phoenix. Now, of course, that's probably not entirely true. The justices said the margin between Trump and Biden wasn't small enough to trigger an automatic recount. Even with a small amount of votes, Trump could have lost due to problems in ballot processing. They rejected a request to inspect more ballots and cited case law that concludes the validity of elections isn't voided by honest mistakes or omissions. The decision upheld the lower court's dismissal of Chairwoman Kelly Ward's challenge of ballots that could have been that had been duplicated because voters' early ballots were damaged and could not be run through tabulators. That's actually, like, they can't do that. If the ballots are damaged, they have to be thrown out. So, if they were duplicated because voters' earlier ballots were damaged, like, that's illegal, should not have been allowed. Said some of the suburbs on the southwestern edge of Maricopa County had an unusually high number of duplicated ballots, and that election results in that area were strongly inconsistent with voter registration and historical voting data. It also alleged the software used in processing such ballots would pre-fill Biden's name on ballots 
more often than it did Trump. Hmm. Uh, her lawsuit led to a court-ordered inspection of more than 1,600 ballots. She then asked the state's highest court to allow for more ballots to be inspected. Attorneys defending election officials said it would be an extraordinary move for a court to reverse an election in which more than 3 million Arizonans elections. Except they're not asking the court to reverse the election. They're merely asking the court to analyze these things. She then asked the state's highest court for more ballots to be inspected. And they're like, no, 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 no. You can't have more ballots be inspected. Ward's attorney, Jack Willinchek, said we're evaluating options for an appeal. For the AZ Supreme Court to say there wasn't enough evidence of error on the vote of one hand, but on the other hand, that we couldn't see more, is to me an untenable result. It's true. Earlier in the case, the court ordered sampling of 1,626 duplicated ballots found Trump lost seven votes due to errors in ballot processing in Maricopa County. Trump could have lost 103 to 153 votes if the error rate were extrapolated across all 27,800 27,800 duplicated ballots in the county. I somehow doubt those numbers, but okay. The state's election results were certified a week ago, showing Biden won Arizona. Again, it keeps saying that Biden won Arizona by more than 10,000 votes. That's not true. He won by 4,000 votes. Like, doesn't anybody else know this? He won by like 4,400 votes. So, again, this last quote, no evidence of voter fraud or election fraud has emerged during the selection season in Arizona. I'll admit, Arizona is probably one of the areas where there is the least evidence of voter fraud, especially compared to Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin. Those ones are the big ones where it's like, yeah, there's some serious stuff that happened here. But Arizona and Nevada, Nevada, I know that there were a significant amount of dead voters, but Arizona, there's not a huge sampling of saying, oh yeah, like there's some serious election fraud aside from the Voter Integrity Project, which we've already gone over. So, I don't know. I don't see Arizona returning just because there's more circumstantial stuff than anything. But I, I admit that I haven't gone too deep into Arizona because it's not nearly as big of an issue as the others. So, next kind of brief election story. Supreme Court rejects bid to overturn Biden's win in Pennsylvania. The high court acted without comment and or noted dissent in the matter. It's kind of shameful. Rejected a bid by a Republican member of Congress, another GOP activist, to overturn President-elect Joe Biden's win in Pennsylvania. In a one-sentence order on Tuesday afternoon, the justices turned down the emergency request from Representative Mike Kelly and two other House candidates to decertify the results of last month's election in the Keystone State. The High Court acted without comment or noted dissent in the matter. On the last day under federal law for states to submit their slates of presidential electors without being subject to potential contest in Congress. Kelly's suit, which was rejected by Pennsylvania courts, argued that legislation... The state adopted last year allowing for no excuse mail-in voting violated the state constitution and the results of last month's vote should therefore be invalidated. It is actually against the state's constitution. This is not him arguing that is actually against the constitution of Pennsylvania. So this article is kind of deceiving. Like, in order to change the constitution and allow no excuse mail-in voting, they would need an amendment to the Pennsylvania constitution which they did not achieve, and they didn't even realize until they're like, hmm, this is kind of interesting. And because there was no, like, victim, there was no ra rationale to challenge it. And now it's really unfortunate that the Supreme Court has not even addressed it. They just dropped the case. Like, there was reason for them to take up this case. There certainly was. It was an unconstitutional order. It was an unconstitutional ruling. And if, if we want to maintain that the Supreme Court actually cares about constitutionality and the rule of law in the United States, then, in fact, they, should, they shouldn't have even dismissed this. They should have taken... It should have been a 9-0 ruling. Like, there should definitely not have been 
any no-excuse mail-in voting in the last month's election. And now, of course, there's lots of issues due to it, such as a clump of mail-in ballots coming like 99.4% for Biden. Statistically impossible. And I think the reason that they did this is granting an injunction would sow chaos and confusion across the nation while inflaming concerns about election electoral impropriety and ensnaring the judiciary in partisan strife. Like, I don't think it would do anything about inflaming baseless concerns about electoral propriety because there is concern about electoral propriety. But I think that a lot of these judges are like, well, at this point, we have to make somebody mad. And who are we going to make mad? Are we going to make mad the Democrats and the left? Who have been rioting and looting and killing people for months? Or are we going to make mad the right? Which, if we're looking back historically, say the Bush-era Republicans, be like, okay, I'm just going to move on. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to grumble, 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 grumble. But... Thankfully, Trump has actually like kind of activated the Republican Party. And he's like, no, we're not going to stand for this crap anymore. We're not going to stand for these institutions pushing us around like we're not even there. These institutions just giving implicit bias and favor to the left. And if none of this stuff is investigated, if it's all dismissed, there's going to be some serious issues. Potentially even looking at civil war. So this was a terrible thing. Not just for like Trump's campaign, but it was terrible for the United States. And then the last kind of a bit of election news. The Texas asked Supreme Court to help Trump upend election in long shot lawsuit. <clears throat> the state of Texas on Tuesday asked the United States Supreme Court to throw out the voting results in four other states in a long-shot legal gambit and intended to help Donald Trump append his election loss to President-elect Joe Biden. Officials from the four states, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, called the lawsuit a reckless attack on democracy while legal experts gave it a little chance to succeed. It was filed directly with the Supreme Court rather than in the lower court, as is permitted for certain litigation between states. The lawsuit announced by the Republican Attorney General of Texas, Ken Paxton, Target election battleground states that Trump, quote, lost to Biden after winning them in 2016. The Republican president has falsely, not falsely, I have to fix so many of these articles because they're just like so biased in their reporting, has claimed he won re-election and has made allegations of widespread voting fraud. Gotta fix all this stuff. Paul Smith, a professor and election law expert at Georgetown University's law school, said Texas did not have a legitimate basis for the suit. There's no possible way that the state of Texas has standing to complain about how other states counted the votes and how they are about to cast their electoral votes. The lawsuit represents the latest in a series brought the Republican president's campaign and supporters intended to reverse the current situation of the electoral state and its apparent loss in the November 3rd election. These efforts so far have had little success and most have failed. In another case... Oh, I just went over that. But, yeah, this one, this one's definitely a long shot, but it's true, like, the way that Michigan, Wisconsin, Mich Pennsylvania, and Georgia, the way that they counted ballots, how they refused to let people in, how they counted them when people were gone, how they faked situations like pipes bursting, to not allow, not allow people to observe, people to count putting, what is it, pallet trucks or forklifts in front of the observers, like all these things that are just grotesquely reeking of impropriety. And it's like, yeah, these states should be redone. And... Right now, based on the stuff that's happened with Trump's campaign losing in the Arizona Supreme Court, with them losing in the Supreme Court of the United States, 
end with them like this is kind of their last shot this is all they got left because the states won't allow a full investigation of a lot of these things like why wouldn't like georgia reversed its situation they're like no 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 we don't want signature checks anymore why the hell not why don't you want signature checks why don't you want a massive audit where you actually call people say yeah like hey did you vote to check if people actually voted because like the voter integrity fund the voter integrity project found massive election fraud and the fact that these states these legal systems are not willing to throw it out because the means media has already declared victory it's really bad like as much as i like the idea of becoming an american i like their rights i like their freedoms compared to canada their election system is garbage and the democrats clearly manipulated it and nobody can really sort out how or like well they sorted out how but because a lot of this stuff is kind of here it's not hearsay but it's he said she said and the democrats are kind of like well like trump is hitler so i'll do anything to overthrow hitler wouldn't you wouldn't you kind of burn ballots or got like toss these ballots or throw in a couple extra or scan some twice to get rid of hitler if you think your opponent is the devil what wouldn't you do to get rid of the devil honestly like these people have been so convinced by the media that trump is this malign not malignant but malicious individual who only cares about himself and wants everybody else to die it's literally what people say it's of course completely false and now according to the other report that i went over trump was like the one guardian against the united against china from the united states and now all this is happening to kind of kick him out things are not well in the state of the united states it's kind of an odd way of phrasing that but yeah things are not well things are not well in canada either as i'm about to go over so canada news stories getting over a few of them don't think i'm gonna have any like really long arching canadian news stories i'm gonna kind of go over some smaller stories to kind of give you a general idea of what things are like up here in canada spoiler alert it's garbage <clears throat> so justice center sues alberta to end lockdowns so last week we talked about the uh, the paper that the justice center for constitutional freedoms wrote called flying blind and it's basically this paper about how canada's lockdowns have decimated the economy decimated mental health and have killed a lot of people so they filed a court challenge on Friday to Alberta COVID-19 shutdown orders, which are today even worse, citing them as unconstitutional and a violation of Alberta's Charter Freedoms. The Justice Center, along with Alberta law lawyer Jeffrey Rath, are representing two churches and two evangels in a challenge order made by the Chief Medical Officer of Health and certain sections of the Public Health Act. They have deemed unconstitutional. The challenge will argue shutdown orders have violated several charter protected rights including the right to peacefully assemble the right to visit friends and family the right to freely i didn't know the right to visit friends and family was a charter right but okay sure the right to freely practice religious beliefs for sure the right to travel and the right to conduct business and earn a living the justice center's press release states the center will also argue that the shutdowns have done more harm than good for the community and have contributed to creating more damage than they are aiming to prevent it further states that the CMO of Health has routinely issued mandates that have compromised guarded rights under the Canadian Charter of Rights, recently banning social gatherings larger than 10 people. And those gatherings were for outside, and now those... Well, it's now limited so that you can have zero people as far as a social gathering, both indoor and outdoor. 
Lawyer James Kitchen made a statement including included in the press release rebuking the COVID-19-related shutdowns in Alberta as arbitrary and authoritarian. In a free society, the government respects citizens as they exercise their freedom and responsibility to respond to a perceived crisis as they deem best for themselves and for their loved ones. Arbitrary and authoritarian control, based on fear-mongering, only exasperates the problems facing society as we have seen for the past nine months. Politicians have not put forward any persuasive evidence that lockdowns have saved lives, but there is no question that lockdowns have caused grave harms to millions of Canadians. Suffering unemployment, poverty, cancelled surgeries, suicide, isolation, and the losses of their liberty. The people of Alberta have suffered enough under the oppression of medical dictatorship for long enough. Have suffered under the oppression of a medical dictatorship for long enough. The soul-destroying lockdowns have wrought havoc. It's time for Albertans to get their freedom back. He's totally right. Like, I really hope this this challenge goes somewhere. Because, yeah, we... Like, the restrictions just got worse here in Alberta. They're not as stringent as Manitoba, but they're pretty much as bad as Ontario now. Like, they're really, really bad. And small businesses are going to collapse. A few weeks ago, we said that if lockdowns continue, there will be 225,000 businesses in Canada that will shut down. I think that's probably a bit on the low side. Our economy will never recover from this. Alberta's economy, which is, of course, a gig-based economy with focus on the energy sector, we've been suffering since 2015. And this, like... This just made it 10 times worse. I haven't been working in my field since 2016. I've had to work kind of as a side job. Because the situation has not been improving in Alberta. And I want to move to the States. But <clears throat> not exceptionally feasible. The way things are. And of course, three small kids not even in school yet. It's really hard to kind of manage to say, oh yeah, we're just going to move to the United States. When things aren't that great in the United States, and of course to go to the United States, you need to quarantine for 14 days, which is ridiculous. But, so, this is one hope that we have. The other hope that Alberta has is that enough people resist these lockdowns and say no. Because we do need people to say no. We need people to rise up and say, hey, like this is unacceptable. What you're doing is totally wrong. And I'm hoping that we can get some people to do that. I don't know if we can, but I'm hoping. I'm not very optimistic, but we'll see. <clears throat> okay. So the next kind of quick story. 700 families waiting for children's health services at Toronto Hospital. At one Toronto Hospital's pandemic backlog grows. Six months after he was born, Ivona Novak's son Noah was diagnosed with cancer. Ooh, that's harsh. The tumor, though treatable, left the Toronto infant paralyzed from the chest down. Later, when Noah's peers were taking their first steps, he was learning how to use a manual wheelchair. Now five, he's speeding around his family's Etobicoke driveway and his bright orange set of wheels grinning as he pauses to love a snowball at his dad. While he's happy and healthy, Noah's parents worry his comfort and mobility are in jeopardy as multiple children's health services are being delayed while his hospital team grapples with a months-long backlog. You really feel helpless as a parent, Novak said. Currently, more than 700 Ontario families are waiting for key services at one hospital called the Holland Bloorview, odd name Bloorview, Kids Rehabilitation Hospital in Toronto, the largest facility of its kind. Autism programs, wheelchair seating services, fittings for orthotics and prosthetics are all being impacted. <clears throat> in Noah's case, he's waiting for an appointment to obtain medication to help strengthen his bones after already experiencing multiple fractures. And he's already he's due for his next round of Botox injections in his bladder this month. It's a routine procedure that's meant to prevent incontinence and ward off long-term bladder issues and kidney failure. But she doesn't know how many months it will be until her son is given an appointment. 
Staff of the hospital say a halt in services in the early months of the pandemic has left medical teams struggling to play catch-up and current wait times of months or even a year or more. Operations manager for orthotics and prosthetics at the hospital said that clinically accepted wait times for orthotics and prosthetic appointments is only 30 days. A target the facility may not hit for at least 12 months. A delay in addressing a broken or overgrown orthotic or prosthetic device can cause sores and pain for a child because of the pressure that's caused due to growth or a change in medical condition. Like, all of these things are caused because of lockdowns. Like, there, you should not have had any of this happen. None of this should have happened in a children's hospital. This virus does not affect children. Why are they being punished for our politicians' fascism? Why are they being punished so that politicians can do whatever they want, so they can hide away in their hidey holes, and these children have to suffer? If it was my kid, I would be screaming at their doors. I would be suing their socks off. Because their selfishness and their concern for their own safety, even though it's, they're not really at risk, is putting these children in danger. And it's stunting their growth, which could affect them permanently. How dare these people? The health officials in all these states and provinces, shame on you. You have done terrible things. And now you're only making it worse. Shame on you. If you're making a child suffer because you're too afraid of a flu, grow up. Grow a pair and do your job. These children should not suffer because you're a coward. Last kind of story we're going to go over. <clears throat> so, and I was going to cover this a little differently, but then the story changed in the past few hours. So after $37,000 in fines, court ruled Winnipeg Church's drive-in services breaches health orders. This is what that drive-in service looks like. Everybody is still in their cars. The Manitoba courts have ruled that a Winnipeg church cannot hold drive-in services. On Saturday afternoon, the Chief Justice of the Courts, Queen's Bench, Glenn Joyle, ruled that a drive-in church service is still a gathering which violates public health orders. What a joke! It would be unfair to other religious organizations if it was the only applicant who received an injunction and the other religious organizations were required to comply with the law. They could have done the same thing. This church went above and beyond to try and keep within the law, and you people are sick fascists. He said people staying in their vehicles amounts to nothing more than a self-directed health measure. No, it would actually change things. If you're worried about transmission, if you stay in your own car and leave your windows up, you're not going to contaminate anybody. That church was first held a drive-in service on November 26th and was fined $5,000 for breaking public health orders. Received 10 more tickets on November 28th and 29th, totaling 32,776. In an affidavit, the church pastor said that he was told that the church held another church in our car service. Individuals could receive fines of up to 100,000 and the business could receive a fine of up to a million. The church's lawyer said the church believes in COVID-19 and is not associated with anti-maskers. They probably should be lately. He argued that public health orders only list gatherings of persons and not cars. It's a gathering, but it's a gathering of persons self-isolated in their vehicles. We're not doing this. We're doing this hearing by remote means. I respectfully submit to you that if you could see me, it would have a different impact. Williams argued that a drive-in service poses no real harm compared to other daily activities. A fact agreed by the Crown. The lawyer, the government lawyer, Denise Gannett, said making exemptions for a particular group is a slippery slope that could open the floodgates for more exemption requests. If they're meeting in their cars, what's the harm? It's their own charter rights. Stop 
controlling people's lives. The value of being in a parking lot and listening to a remote service has to outweigh the value of mitigating risk and keeping people distant. If their windows are still closed, nobody is being put at risk. You idiot. This, I don't know how this, doc, this lawyer passed law school. She is a moron. She argued the value to the pastor and the churchgoers does not outweigh the life and death risk if even one person gets sick. Nobody's being put at risk, you moron. The Crown said sitting in a parking lot, listening to a service, isn't that different from sitting at home and listening? It isn't that much different, but it is different. You can still see people. You can still have that connection, have that closeness. I would admit that this church was a little too obedient. Should have said, screw you. Go to hell. Because we're not. After the service, after the hearing, Springs Church updated his website to say they would only be offering online services this weekend. Because they also received a letter from other cowardly churches, such as some moron known as the Millennial Pastor, where he wrote this letter and he's like, well, it's it's safer to stay home. And, like, you're just painting Christians with their bad images like lawbreakers. And it's like, no, they're following the rules. You just want to be seen as this, like, yes, government. Okay, government. I will, government. Please tell me what to do, government. Give me my freedoms, government. Oh, you want to take them away? That's okay, government. Stop being such a pansy. Stand up. Say no. That's the only way this ends. Thankfully, thankfully, Manitoba loosened some COVID-19 restrictions and should reverse every single one of these fines. The current public health order, which bans in-person religious gatherings, even at a church, expires Friday night. Services will be allowed as long as people attend only with members of their household and remain in their vehicles. We're going to watch this very closely, and if adherence isn't very good, then we can change course on that. You better not. Winnip Manitoba should be sued like crazy. The move follows a failed attempt by a Winnipeg church to overturn the order, which had been fined for parking lot services, which was the church we just went over. Asked the Court of Queen's Bench last weekend to suspend the ban, which was rejected. The change will also allow drive through holiday light displays such as the annual Winter Wonderland just west of Winnipeg. Most of the other rules enacted by the province in November will continue at least until January 8th. Public gatherings remain limited to five. People are not allowed to have visitors in their homes, with some exceptions. Businesses will continue to be required to sell non-essential items only, which is pretty nasty. Our COVID numbers are still too high. It's not the time to let up, Roussen said. Health officials reported 245 new COVID-19 cases and an additional 35, 13 deaths additional on Tuesday. The province's five-day test positivity remained rates remained high at 13%. Thrift stores are being added to the list of businesses that can operate. School supplies and seasonal holiday decorations are being added to the list of essential items. Yeah. I remember there was a rebel reporter, and he had a sweater for, like, the Grinch, and there was this Walmart employee that, like, took it out of his shopping cart. The Winnipeg Jets will also be allowed to practice for a planned NHL season this winter. I've heard that's not... That's being delayed until a month from now. I'm a little over a month from now. So. Like. Stand up and say no. Say no, 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 no. You don't give me my freedom. I have my freedom. You can try and take it away. And I say no. That's how it works. Under the Even under the rule... The first declaration of the Charter, the first section of the Charter of, hum of Rights and Freedoms in Canada. They're like, oh, like these, these Charter rights can be violated only under special circumstances. This does not even come close to qualifying. This is nasty, nasty stuff. And I, I find it reprehensible in every way. So, I'm probably going to make a video to be released tomorrow sometime.
um, addressing the COVID restrictions that Jason Kenney put in place and directly responding to him and the damage that he is going to cause and basically telling people that we can't vote for these people again. These people are not working for the common good. They're not working for our safety. And if they're pretending to be conservatives like Jason Kenney and forget his name right now, Brian Pallister, I think, and Doug Ford over in Ontario. These people are not conservatives. They're, they're seeking dictatorial powers. That's not conservative. It's authoritarian. It's communist. Anyways. So, bit of lighthearted news, bit of lighthearted stuff. So... Uh, we had our second caption in this contest. Our first one did not go very well because it was posted at a bad time. So we had our first caption in this contest. So we had an individual put a caption for this. Um, this individual by the name of at Equihopper was going by Equihopper Elect. It's of course a run on the current election. So quote, going for gold requires sweat and tears. Quote, so the boy became draining in the BC swamp. So I talked with this individual and said, I can take that and make it a little better. So this is the end result. So man reaching your hard-earned goals. The second one, the big government swamp is coming to take it away and make sure you don't achieve those goals. So... Thank you, Equihopper, for participating in the caption this contest. I hope the next caption this the contest, which I will try and do tomorrow evening, will have better responses and more responses, and then we can make this into... trying to turn this into a weekly thing. So, that'll be the end of today's episode. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you like this episode... Please don't forget to like and subscribe on our YouTube page. Comment if you have any questions or remarks or suggestions for future episodes. Uh, if you are following us on Facebook, please give us a review and recommend us to your friends. If you're on Parlor, of course, participate in our all the events that we do during the week. Upvote, follow, and echo. And then, of course, if you're listening on any of our podcast platforms, don't forget to download this episode and recommend it to those around you and share this video or share this episode. So, without further ado, always remember that here at the Half Blind Hecklers, we may be blind, but we can still see the truth. Good night and God bless.